What book are we in? Joshua. I told you all that this would be our last week. Uh, Turn to Joshua chapter 20. We've kind of been on a journey with the children of Israel through the uh, through the Valley of Decision, we've uh, we've looked at a lot of different areas. We've been in here about ten weeks about uh, how the children of Israel made a decision to move into the Promised Land. We looked at the wilderness. We looked at uh, the things that some of the choices they made and some of the decisions they made, and how that affected uh, their life for so often. Uh, uh, I was uh, I was thinking just while ago, my my older sister's here today. If y'all haven't met her, she's up here uh, on the second row. She's uh, she's several years older than me, and it shows. But anyway, uh, she said, "How long till you retire?" And I said, "Well, uh, I got about a year and a half, and I have 40 years with the company." I know I don't look that old at 40 to be somewhere 40 years, but uh, I'll be 60 years old and I'll have 40 years with a company. Now, well, I sat back down. I had to think about that for 40 years. That's a long time, isn't it? There's a group of people chose to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. So uh, just for me to compare that another year and a half, uh, there was a group of people that had, because of the decision they had made, had been wandering around that whole time. So we've looked at the uh, moving into the promised land. We looked at the tribes that decided that they were just happy in the desert and how God dealt with that. So uh, in Joshua chapter 20, we find something kind of interesting I think, honestly, till I studied this, if I was reading this, I would just come to verse chapter 20 and i just blow through it and say, well, that's interesting and let's move on. Uh, really, the last few uh, chapters of Joshua, it talks about dividing up the towns and different things. But in Joshua chapter 20, starting in verse 1, then the Lord said to Joshua, tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses. <clears throat> Verse 3, So that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. Remember that term, that avenger of blood. And when he flees uh, to one of these cities, he is to stand at the entrance of the city gate. He is to state his case before the elders of that city, and they are to admit him into their city and give him a place to live with them. If the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused. Now, I want you to get this picture because these, and we're going to talk more about these, these cities of refuge and what they are and what they're not. Uh, but if the avenger comes to take the life of that person who has found refuge. The place in which he found refuge is going to protect him. Did you, did you see that in there? It says, uh, once he's admitted into this city, verse 5, if the avenger of blood pursues him, the place that he has taken refuge must not surrender him, the one who's accused because he killed his neighbor unintentionally or without malice or forethought. And he is to stay in that city until he has stood trial before the assembly. 
until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time, then he may go back to his own town uh, in the town which he is from which he has fled. So they set apart. Y'all know we get into to names. Uh, y'all may roll your eyes sometimes, but here we go. They set apart these cities, Kadesh in Galilee, in the hill country of Nepali, uh, Shechem, in the country of Ephraim, on the east side of the Jordan of Jericho, and they designated Beshir in the desert of the plateau of the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead, the tribe of Gad in Golad in Bashim, the tribe of Manasseh, any of the Israelites or any alien living among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities and not be killed by the avenger of the blood prior to standing trial before the assembly. Now, you see why I mentioned if you, uh, if you were to read chapter 20, you might find the first part kind of interesting. It just kind of blows and go, hmm, that's interesting. So we find Jesus throughout the Old Testament. I mean, we find him mentioned. We find uh, the Old Testament is pointing us to the cross of Calvary. It's pointing us to Jesus Christ. We find him throughout there, and, and today we find him in some cities. And those are the cities that we read this, this morning. Uh, verses 1 through 3, the Jews are now in the promised land, so they've moved into the promised land. You know that if you've been following along. The 12 tribes have divided up the land, uh, but there were six cities set aside as refuges in case of an accidental killing, okay? Now, they're not places to harbor murderers and offenders like uh, sanctuary cities of the day. We, we have what we hear on the news, places that are called sanctuary cities. That's not what this was. This, this wasn't a place that, that people who are murderers, people who are like offenders of that could go and find protection. It, uh, the purpose of these, and that's my first point, is this the purpose, if you had a family member killed, uh, or if you had a family member murdered, now this is during the Old Testament time, the old law, you would take it upon yourself to avenge that murdered person's killer. Okay, now some people still do that today, you know, uh, but they would, uh, they would take it out more, more, uh, uh, you know, more anger than OJ did. And y'all may not know who OJ is, but we're going to talk about him in just a minute. Because they would want to see justice done, okay? So, so a family uh, has a family member that's murdered. They go after the, the killer. They, they are the avenger of blood for the family, that verse 9. So let me give you some illustrations. You may think, well, I'm, I ain't following you there. Let's say that you're out chopping wood. I told y'all about chopping wood that time and hitting myself in the head with an axe, didn't I? You know, <laughs> boy... Poor old Jake, he hit himself in the head with an axe, chopping wood. But uh, if you were chopping wood, I'm not going to tell you the story again. If you don't remember it, hadn't heard it, come see me. And let's say the head of your axe flew off, and it flew over there, and it killed a person helping you chop wood. Uh, so instead of the avenger of, of blood, the, the family member saying, all right, you killed... Uh, this person in my family, while you were chopping wood, 
this guy that was chopping wood could go to one of these cities. He could plead his case at the, outside of the gates. The, the leaders in that city could say, okay, you've got a good point, so you come in and take refuge here. And he would stay there, and there would be a trial there. Let me give you a, another illustration. Uh, let's just say that you're, you're going to town, or you're going to the cell barn, or you're going to Lowe's to pick up a load of lumber, and, uh, and you're rich if you're doing that today, but uh, you're going along, and your wheel comes off your trailer going down the highway, and it, it crosses over to another lane, and it hits a car, and it kills two or three people in that car. That's just an accident, and... And there may be a lot of anger from the family. There may be a lot of hurt from the family. Uh, and these cities were set aside just in case something like that happened. So it, when we read here a couple of different times, it says, uh, any Israelite or alien living among you who killed someone accidentally. So it's not talking about murder. It's not talking about uh, going out and getting in a knife fight or a gun fight or any of those. It's an accident. Uh, it's something that, that just happened and, and it resulted in the death of someone, they could go to this, this city. So that was the purpose of these cities. There's six of them set aside. So the second time, the, the, the prophecy about that, what does this illustrate? If you want to turn over to Hebrews chapter 18, uh, chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, uh, I have a couple of different translations. By, here's, this is Hebrews 6, 18. By two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. Now listen, who have fled for rich refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. You, you understand what that's saying? God's not going to lie. We have a strong anchor point when we flee to the one for refuge who has laid upon the hope set for each of us. I'm going to read this in a different translation. Which, we have, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into within the veil, whether the forerunner is for, is, for, is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Let me read it out of the NIV. It reads a little bit different. But I want you to catch the, the prophecy or what this is talking about. So Hebrews chapter 6, down again in verse 18. This is, a, this is a little different wording. It may be a little easier to understand. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold, hold of the hope which is offered to us may greatly be encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor, for we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, whereas Jesus, who set before us, has entered on our behalf. He has come our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So, so what that's talking about is when we accept Jesus Christ, He is our hope. He's the one that's set before us. And we have our hope anchored in Christ. And in Him, we find refuge. So thinking about the purpose and thinking about the, the, the topic that we just got off of, we, they, this was a city of refuge. It was a place people could go uh, to, to find a, a physical refuge. They had cities set apart. So these six cities we're going to talk about in just a moment, they were physical places of refuge. Now, 
Now today we have a spiritual place of refuge, and that's Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit. He, he entered into the most holy place. He entered into the presence of God, and in Him we find our refuge. So when we look at these cities today, we're looking at the Old Testament, we're looking at the, the 12 tribes, we're looking at representation of a place of refuge, but today we need to understand that our place of refuge is in Jesus Christ. Now, that's not automatic. We have to be born again. We're born into the family of God when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and after we do that, that picture of salvation, that becomes our refuge. So these cities are really a picture of our salvation. It's a picture of the refuge that we have. So I want to ask you, why, why would we need a place of refuge? For if someone who commits uh, homicide or, or whatever and they, they've killed someone, what, what's that mean to me? You know, I've never killed anyone. I've never been involved in any kind of murder. I've never accidentally even killed anyone. And listen to this. I want to make a statement that, that may set you back just a second, but I want you to think about it. We have killed someone. We killed Jesus Christ. Now, I was listening to a preacher one time on the radio, and he said this, I hate the Jews for what they did to Jesus Christ. Well, I, I hated that statement because, number one, the Bible says that, that we should be supporting of the Jews, okay? Number two, we had a bigger part of hanging Christ on the cross as anyone because in our sin, maybe unknowingly, maybe unwittingly, we placed Jesus on the cross. So I want you to, I want you to think about that. And I said I was going to mention uh, O.J. Simpson. Uh, he wrote a book called... If I did it, and if was in big letters. Now, you young folks here don't even know who I'm talking about, probably. Uh, if you do, you probably don't remember. Y'all remember the trial, the biggest hoopla you've ever seen, you know. Uh, there's probably no if there, but we, we try to keep putting if in our life. I mean, for, for O.J., he might have he should have dropped the if and just said, I did it, and here's how I got away with it. But that's just my opinion. So our sinful nature, we always say, okay, if I do that, we wind up thinking the same thing. We, we end up saying, you know what, we can get away with our sin. I, I really don't need a place of refuge because, after all, if I really did, who's going to know? We need to understand God's going to know. Now, I like Ray Bolts. He, he had some good songs. When I was a youth minister, he, well, we sing a lot of Ray Bolts songs, but he has a song called The Hammer. Listen to what it says. He, this is the, 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 the verse. It says, I was in the crowd that day when Jesus died. As he hung up on the cross, his mother cried. I saw the crown of thorns he wore, the stripes upon his back, the water and the blood that ran out. And then the sky turned black, and my mind was filled with anger, and my heart was filled with shame. This man brought only healing. Well, who could bring him pain? Why does it seem so strong? There's always a victimized the weak, and suddenly I found myself standing to my feet. And here's the chorus. And I cried, who nailed him there? This child of peace and mercy. Who nailed him there? Come and face me like a man. Who nailed him there? And the crowd began to mock me, and I cried, Oh my God, I just don't understand. And then I turned and saw the hammer in my hand. I nailed him there. 
this child of peace and mercy. I nailed him there, the guilty man. I nailed him there with my sins and my transgressions. And I cried, O God, I understand now when I turned and saw that hammer in my hand. We need to understand that when we sin and when we're living in sin and we're born with that sinful nature, we help put Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's why we need a new nature. That's why we need uh, to be born again in the family of God because we need a place of refuge. Because the Bible says we've all sinned and the wages of that sin is death. And we need a place that we can go and we can find refuge from the avenger of blood. And, and when we do that, we do that through the blood of Jesus Christ. It says, you know what? I paid that price. I paid that blood that it cost to pay for sin, and, and I want to I impute that to you. I want to give that to you. I want to cover you with my blood. And when we do that, we have a place of refuge. Now, here's the names of the cities, and, and this morning, this is where we're going to end. Somebody say amen. Y'all want to say it, you know, because when I said that, I bet you thought, man, we haven't been in here very long. But know this, there are six cities, okay? So take that amen back. I want to tell you the significance of these cities and what they mean, okay? Because remember what this represents. This represents a place of refuge. So in the Old Testament, for the Israelites, they were physical towns. But for us, this is a picture of our refuge in Jesus Christ, and as I said a bit while ago, we read through these uh, the, uh, the important places, and we don't realize the significance of the scriptures sometimes and what they mean. So let's look at these these cities. The first is Kadesh. Now, here's what that means: it was a place of holiness. That city was that word. That name of that town was a a place of holiness, and it speaks of Christ as our Savior. Without Christ, we can't be holy. The Bible says, be, be holy because I am holy. When we become a child of God, we can say, you know what? Uh, I'm holy not because of my actions, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. So what are we doing? We're hiding in the refuge of Jesus Christ saying, you know what? I can be holy before God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Since we don't have holiness, we can't seek it. We can't earn it. We can't work for it. Our only hope is to receive it as a gift. So that is our refuge, Kadesh. It's a place of holiness that we find refuge in. Shechem or Shechem, that's the second. That means a shoulder. When I was youth minister, we we always sang, lean on me. Does everybody know that song? Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. We had all these motions and, and we sang that nearly every time we got together and stand up together and, and we would get to that lean on me. Everybody would cross their arms and they would lean on each other. They'd lean on the shoulders, they'd lean on the back, they'd turn back to back and, and lean on each other because it was, a, it was a place to find strength. Lean on me. And that, that shechem, it, that, that's a place that we find Christ's strength and it's something that we can lean on. 
It's somebody that can carry the load for it. The, the government's on his shoulders. Sometimes we, we feel like we can't carry the burdens anymore. We, we're weighted down. And, and I've given this illustration before about the person that, that comes to the altar and pray, and, and on their back they're carrying this sack full of burdens, and they lay them all out on the altar, and they give them to God, and then they gather them up and put them back in their sack and throw them back on their back and carry them out again. That we don't find that in Shechem. We find that place that we can come to Christ and we can leave our burdens there because He is a shoulder that can carry our burdens. If you watch The Common Cheros, that's a John Wayne movie, and in one part of that movie, uh, he and his uh, relative, I can't even remember how he's kin to him, uh, the Indian calls John Wayne big shoulders or broad shoulders and the one who follows. And uh, so they're arguing, and, and he says, broad shoulders, <laughs> you know, and, and he, he just blows him off. You're not broad shoulders, you're, you're just a coward. Jesus Christ says, you can come to me. I'm a shoulder to rest upon. I'm a shoulder to cry upon. I'm a shoulder that will carry your load. We find that in Shechem, that, that rest, that shoulder, that place of refuge. Hebron, that's... That's that third city that was set aside. So what does it mean? It means a place of fullness or a place of fellowship. So Hebron, it was known for lush pastures. It was known for flowing over with milk and honey. It, it, was, a, it was a blessed place, and it was a, it's a place where people found satisfaction. Y'all remember we went back and, uh, and Caleb and Joshua came back and they gave a report on the promised land and they said it's a land flowing in milk and honey and there's grapes the size of softballs there. There's this just a wonderful land. It's a place where we can find all of our satisfaction. Well, that's what Hebron was. It was a place of fellowship. It was a place that we could be satisfied. Some people think when they come to Christ, that's the end of their fun. But, but folks, that's just the opposite. We, I, I've, I've never had more fun. I've never been more satisfied than living with Christ because I've been outside of God's will for my life before. And you know what? It was miserable. It was always a work. It was always a labor. It was always a, a trying for this and trying for that. So, so in Christ, our refuge, we find fullness. We find fellowship in Hebron through Christ. Bezira, that's the next town, Bezira. It's a place, it's called, it means this, a stronghold or a fortification. That's what that, that name of that town, a stronghold or a fortification. You know what? Christ is our stronghold. He's our security. He's a place that we can go. I'm glad salvation isn't, isn't something I have to hold on to, aren't you? Sometimes, uh, sometimes one of my granddaughters will be at the house and they'll have something they want. And, and they'll be carrying it with them, and uh, they'll, they'll say, I want to take this home. I'll let them take it home, trust me, if they want to bad enough. But uh, let's say they've got something in their hand, and, and uh, I can find something they like in their own car, and I can hand it to them. And, and you know what they do? They'll just, they'll just kind of let go of what, what I had here, and they'll, they'll get their interest on something else. You know, short attention span. Folks, we're the same way, aren't we? We have this little short attention span, and if we were trying to hold on to God for our salvation, you know what? Every time something came along, we're, we're apt to just let go and get, and get wrapped up in this over here. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's making money. Maybe it's, maybe it's a hobby. 
Maybe it's being somewhere or doing something else and, and all of a sudden we just let go and we've got our focus placed on something else. There in, in Bezra, we find a place that, that God says, I'm your stronghold. And in John chapter 10, 28 and 29, Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. For my Father has given them to me. This is Jesus said, God has given them to me. When, we, when we're born again Christians, God takes us by the hand and listen to what Jesus says. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. He's greater than everything, and no one can snatch them away from my Father's hand. Well, we find in, in Bezra, we find that place of refuge. We find that stronghold where God has got a hold of us, and nothing is going to separate us from that. We can run to refuge there and realize that God has a hold of us. Ramoth, that's the next town. Ramoth is this, it means exalted. Christ is, is my sovereign. Listen to this, folks. Why would we need that, that Ramoth? Why would we need to find refuge in that? You know what that really means? It means this, God is always in control. Isn't that great? Don't we need to go to that place of refuge to say, you know what, God, you're in control. We need to realize God's working from a higher plane that we don't understand sometimes. God, God, is, God is working on an exalted level. And, and God has got this world under control. Well, we look away and we say, this world is not in control. Well, no, it's not in control, but you know what? It's part of God's plan. God hadn't lost control of His plan, and He's not wringing His hand and called a committee together of angels and say, what are we going to do? We have messed up and we lost the world. That didn't happen. Because we have a refuge there. We have a, a sovereign God that's not subject to anything. Either the worries of our day or the worries of our life. God is, he, he is all-knowing. He's all-understanding. And in Him we can find refuge as our sovereign God, He's in control. We may be out of control, but as God's children, He is in control. Here's the last city, Golan. And that means a separated place. So those are the six towns. This separated place, Christ is our sanctification. You know what it means to be sanctified? It means to be set apart. Christ is the one that gives us distinction from the world. He set us apart from the world. He, he, he's given us a place where we can make a difference. I want you to think about this. When, when you plant the seed of salvation, I want you to think about the impact that has. That has an impact for all of eternity. Have you thought about that? Not for next week, not for next month, not for next year, but for all of eternity. Folks, we, we, have the, we have the seeds that make an impact. They make a difference for all of eternity. I, uh, Christ says this, we're a new creation. We don't belong to this world anymore. When we accept Jesus Christ, we, we have been recreated. And we, we don't belong to this world, but we belong to Christ. And He has set us apart to do His will and to do His good work. So, so when, you look at, when you look at me, don't look at me. I'll let you down, I promise. Look at Christ and realize that, you know what? Christ has set me apart. 
He said, if I'm a born-again Christian, He set me apart. We're all growing in this grace together. All of us in this church, we're growing together in grace. We're growing together and understand. People will let you down, but God wants the purpose, the prophecies of these cities are made in their name. It's a place of refuge. So here's the last thing of the cities. You know, if, if we had a map, and I, I should have got a map and put up here behind us. When you look at the, the location of these cities, they're spread out all over those 12 tribes. I mean, they're, they're, they're close wherever you go. So no matter where you were, you were close to a refuge. So if you were visiting some other, some other city, some other town, some other group there, and something happened, you were close to a refuge. It didn't matter where you traveled, you were always close to a refuge. And folks, we need to understand this. Our salvation is as close as a prayer. It's that close. It's always there. If you've never accepted Christ, it's, it's as close as a prayer. We don't have to search. We don't have to go repair and build and make things right with our own power. We, we don't even have the power to do that. It's as close as a prayer. And for the Christian, our, our help is not far off. Our refuge is not far off. It's always presence. God isn't hiding from us. He's not playing hide and go seek. He's not saying, you've got to search for me. I'm going to keep away from you. He says, I'm a refuge. I'm close by. And I'm willing. If you'll simply turn to me, if you want to find... Uh, if you want somebody to find their way to your house, if you want somebody to find their way home, uh, and they want directions, you're going to give good directions, aren't you? Now, don't give directions like y'all used to give down here. Well, you know where uh, so-and-so lived. Turn there. Well, no, I don't know so-and-so, and a lot of people don't. And, and besides that, they've been dead for 50 years, so most of the people that did know them may not know them anymore. We want to give good directions. Do y'all give north and south, east and west, or right and left? Somebody tell me. Go north, south, east, west. <laughs> Ron said, no, she don't get it. You, don't. <clears throat> you know, you want to give the best directions possible. You, you want to say, hey, when you get up there, there's going to be a, a pile of gravel on the side of the road. There's a sign that says Charleston. The road number is 895. If you're coming from Paris, you turn east. If you're coming from Sulphur Springs, you turn east. <laughs> no, not west. Go stay with the right and left if you think you turn. Uh, don't matter which direction you're going, you're going to turn east. You won't give good directions. You're going to go through and you're going to go 895 and it makes a couple of S turns. Uh, you know, you're going to... You're going to go by Jared's house. No, they don't know Jared. Don't, don't even use that as a reference. But they're going to get to a little town, Charleston. There's a little white church building there. Yeah, okay, that, that's the Methodist church. You keep going right on past that, that white church building. The road makes an S-curve, and you're going to get down there, and right there on the left, you're going to see a, a community center. And right across from that community center, you'll see East Delta Baptist Church. Oh, I can find that. I mean, you'll give good directions. You're not going to say, oh, you know, just kind of go, you know, you can go down towards Paris and that, take a ride somewhere down through there. No, Christ doesn't do that either. He, he, he wants us to understand that, that we find Him easily, just a prayer away. That city of refuge, it's, just, it's right there in our presence if we'll but turn to Him. We can 
we can always know that, that Christ, as His children, we have a place of refuge. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I want you to think about the valley of decision. I want you to think about the place of refuge. I want you to, if you've been here through this, this ten weeks, I want you to think about all the decisions that's been made. You know, we had people that decided that, hey, I'm not going to be obedient. I'm going to keep some of the, some of the blessings from, from this town that we overtook, and uh, I'm going to bring it in. I'm going to hide it in my tent. And because of that, the whole nation suffered. Hey, I'm not going to possess the land. I'm going to stay over in the. I'm going to stay over in the desert and wander around because that three tribes ended up living there. We we see so many decisions, and we see old Caleb said, "God, I may be 85 years old, but you promised me a mountain, and I'm going to take that mountain because you've given me the victory." Folks, in Jesus Christ, remember what He told the Israelites. Hey, I have delivered these people to you. Now go and take possession. He didn't say go, get in your easy chair. He said go, take possession. Go and be a worker. Go and plant my seeds. Go and harvest my fields. We can run to the rock. We can find shelter. We can find our fortress. We can find protection under his wings he's never too far away father i pray this morning that as we really think about the valley of decision and we've looked at so many decisions we've looked at so many areas uh, that israel went through and some of the decisions they made father i pray today that we'd make a decision to follow you if we're the only one in our family in our job even in the service today, if you're the only one that that God has dealt with, Father, I've made a decision. I, I've decided to follow you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't simply make a decision while we're in the building, but Father, we'd know that you have set us apart to be your love, to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your voice, to be your shining light in a darkened world, to be salt, to bring preservatives, to bring flavor to this world. Father, I pray that we'd be obedient to You. Lord, this morning, I don't know how Your Spirit would move among Your people, but Lord, I pray that You would move among Your people and that we'd be willing and we'd be ready to follow You wherever You'd lead. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.